Brian, that was absolutely beautiful. You know, um, we just sang some words that are pretty important to the Lord. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will go. Now, at the first service and last night, I asked him this question. And I, I'm, I'm going to say to it, don't say it flippantly. Is that a truth in your life? If, if Where he goes, will you go? Where he leads, will you follow? Are you a part of him? Are you sold out to be a part of the Lord? Is he so real to you that, that, that you, can, you can almost feel like you could touch him and hold him and hug him in a sense? You know, um, today's message couldn't have been a better song. Could not. Today's message is really one of the, the very, very essence of our faith. We're talking about marriage, husbands, wives. But what happens in chapter 3 of Genesis is the very essence of what life is really all about. It, it is the, it is the uh, criteria of, of what we are, who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, the, the Lord just married Adam and Eve. In chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, he says to him, Adam, I want you to leave your mother and your father, and I want you to cleave to your wife. Two of you shall become one flesh. They were both, it says in verse 25, naked. And they were not ashamed. What basically is happening here is the very essence of a, of a good godly marriage. Um, number one, when, when we began this journey in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter led us to uh, the subject of husband and wives because he said in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, um, 1 Peter chapter 3, he said in verse 1, to the wives, he says, I want you to submit to your own husbands. And that word is an amazing word for a woman, to be submissive to her own husband. And then he gave in the next six verses... How? You know, by a gentle and quiet spirit, by, by their behavior, even if they are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word of their wives. In the seventh verse of First Peter chapter one, uh, yes, First Peter chapter three, the seventh verse, he then speaks to the husbands, and he says, "Husbands, I want you to live with your wives in an understanding way." And we learned that was a farming term. To, to live with her so that she would flourish. Then he makes a promise at the end of that verse saying that so that your prayers will not be hindered, gentlemen. The most wonderful gift that we have as believers in Jesus Christ is to be able to go to him at any moment in time and, and ask him for help or for whatever we would ask him for. And so what we see is that, uh, that we are... We are to be submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. Paul said that in Ephesians. The wife is to be submissive to her own husband, meaning following under his authority. And the husband is to have that place of authority. But when I say that place of authority, Jesus Christ taught us and the disciples. When Remember when last week when the sons of Zebedee, James and John, their mother came and said, can, can, can my children, can my boys sit one on your left and the other on your right, meaning having a place of honor? 
and when the other ten disciples heard that, the, the Bible says there in Mark chapter, I think it was 19 or 20, I forget now. I think it was 20. The, the, other, the other disciples became indignant over the fact that they were asking for a place of honor. And so the Lord taught them and us what it means to have a place of honor. And what he taught them was that we do not exist as someone who might be the head over anything to be served, but to serve. That's our call as husbands, to serve our wives. And so it says that they were both naked in chapter three or chapter 2 of Genesis. Naked and not ashamed, meaning that they were transparent with one another. They were open with each other. It had nothing to do with what they were not wearing. They weren't wearing clothes. Being naked means transparent. And I believe the key to any godly marriage in any relationship is how well you communicate with each other. Transparent, open. Well, as life would have it, suddenly Satan comes upon the scene. He tries to steal our peace, our joy, and, and, and how he does that is by tearing down the very authority of our God. And by what method? Well, he's never buried. His method, method then is the same it is today. He attacks the authority of the Word of God. Let's see how. Read with me, please. In Genesis chapter 3, these 13 verses are as critical. I know up on the board it says uh, through 15, but we're only going to go to verse 13. I made a mistake. And we'll cover verses 14, 15, the rest of the chapter, and we'll go on to chapter 4 next week and see how we deal with the aftermath of sin. And that affects all of us. But sufficient for today is this place in Scripture. And I think you're going to find this as, as rich a place in the Word of God as any you'll ever study. And that's a bold statement, but I, I believe that with all my heart. Everything you and I need to know about our faith is wrapped up in these particular verses in chapter 3 of Genesis. It says now, verse 1, The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it nor touch it lest you die. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7, Then then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Verse 8, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord 
God among the trees of the garden. In verse 9, we are told, The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. God said to him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Everything you need to know about your faith is written in these words. And I want to really, I want to ask God, if ever I ask God to move me out of the way, it is today. If I were knew I was going to die this evening, I would ask the Lord, let me preach this message, please. Now here's the problem. This message is for, not so much for, for those who are faithful to the church. This message is to those who, who are wrestling with their faith, who are in and out, in and out, up and down like a roller coaster, and, and having moments of, of, of grandeur where they really love the Lord, and then moments where they're just down and out. And the Lord God wants you and me to have that place of peace in our lives. And where we are attacked is through the authority of the Word of God. Now, let's pray. It's very important, critical. Father, please, move me aside. Please, dear God, let this be a message that we all hear very clearly from your heart to ours. Each of us individually, not, not, not collectively as a church, just individually. May we hear your heart. For what took place in the garden is a reoccurring theme in the life of us today here in the year 2015. It's as, it's as current today as what happened then. Help us, Father, not to be deceived. Help us mostly, Father, never to hide from you. Lord, please uh, do open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law, your words. We treasure your words here at this church. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for, for your Son who is the Word of God. Thank you for this place that we get to worship you. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. You know, we haven't seen Anthony and Vivi for a while, and they're here in the back, and I just thought we ought to give them a hand. It's nice to see them. Thanks, Anthony, for being here. Love you so much. Um, I want to make a statement to you about the church and about this world in which we live. I always point out there to the world, I, I, I guess because there's windows. Um, so let me tell you this. The church, and I've said this before, but it, 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 is, it is so real for today. The church today is not suffering because there's sin out there in the world. No. That world out there is suffering because sin has infiltrated into our churches across these United States. 
And I wrote to myself, and I write to you, you may listen in, someone, someone has has to have the conviction to finally stop this pattern of sin, to, if you would, reverse that curse. And if the churches across this, this nation of ours won't, or the person sitting here within this congregation won't, then by doggone it, by the grace of God, it ought to stop in our lives. We need to be willing to stand firm for our faith. In, Paul wrote in, in Ephesians 6.11, Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The truth of the matter is, as we learned from Billy Kahn at, at Rock of Ages this past Friday, and for those of you that, that, that can't or don't or won't come to Rock of Ages because you don't feel you're old enough. Look, I come, and so you can come, young as I am. Um, Rock of Ages is for all the ages, I think. I think, Mickey, would you would you allow any and everyone to come if they want? Yeah. Well, Rock of Ages is for us older folks, but but you, I think Rock of Ages is the the very gem of our church. There, there, there's it's a it's a feeling of church like I, I, hardly anywhere else I feel within these four walls that God has given us this place. So you're welcome to come. But, but I mentioned Rock of Ages because Bill Kahn, our piano player, shared it. He came from a very, very terrible past. He was uh, uh, as lost as could be, was in the, the occult, uh, in cults, and, 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 and finally by reading the Word of God, he came to a realization that Christ is real. And it became a, a reality to him like, like, like he can't even express how much he loves the Lord because of the Word of God. And I want that to be a part of who you and I are. To be willing to stand firm in what we believe. Where He leads us, will you follow? Where He leads you, will you go? You see, it won't happen unless you, you alone, are willing Let's say in this study of husband and wife, your mate becomes unresponsive to God's truth. The point is, are you willing to do whatever God has called you to do within your marriage, no matter the cost? To me, all of Christianity, all of my faith, hinges upon this one current thought that I've had since the very almost the moment I came to Christ. And that is, if no one else is willing, I am. I'm willing, Lord. That happened to me by the grace of God when I was about a week, week and a half. I don't remember the timing of it perfectly. But I accepted the Lord on March the 12th, 1973. And sometime thereafter, I went to my friend's And I told them I became a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a Christian, born again. To which they kicked me out of the restaurant. My my best friend at that time owned the restaurant. It was in the restaurant bar. It was one of the finest places on the whole island of Hawaii. It was in Waikiki. And they kicked me out. At first I thought they were kidding, you know. (laughs) No, we want you out of here. Out. Blankety, blankety, blank, out. 
And so when I was walking out of that place, I was walking down the Alawai as I was going back to my place there in Waikiki. I, I felt a flood of doubt, a flood of tears come upon me, and I'm thinking, wow, wow, I've just been a Christian for a little bit, and what did I do? I've lost my friends. Is it worth it? I didn't bargain for that. And as real as, as, as I am standing before you today, and I don't know if it was a voice. I'm sure it was not an audible voice. I, I, something I heard, I heard in here, I heard me say, Lord, if it's just you and me, the rest of my life, that will be sufficient. And I meant it. I didn't know what I was saying. I had no idea what that meant. But that came out of my here or here. I don't know. And that has carried me through a lot of very difficult times. Lord, if it's just you and me, the rest of my life, that's enough. You might want to measure yourself to see if that's something that you can honestly say. If you lead me, I will follow. If you lead me, I will go. All of Christianity to me, all of my faith is built upon this one thought. If no one else is willing, I am. I'm all in. Now, let's see how this breakup of not only the family, but within our lives, if you're married or not, how sin fell upon the world. And let's recognize what Satan does so that it can stop with us. His method, by the way, has never changed. Take a look. Verse number one, it's key. He attacks mankind by attacking the authority of the Word of God. Look what he says. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the the serpent, Satan it is here, says to the woman, Indeed, Has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Let's stop here for a moment, too. Let's let's take a look at what's happening to churches around this world in which we live. Do you ever wonder why cults and fringe religious groups, so-called churches, add to or take away or subtract from the Word of God? Why our society laughs at at you and me coming to church on a Sunday, a very beautiful day. You can do any number of things today. Here you are in church. And, and not only are you in church, but you're studying this, the Word of God. They laugh at us. And why so many churches today have moved away from studying God's Word line upon line and instead just tickle the ears of those that come telling them, you don't need to bring your Bibles into church today. We don't want to offend. If any visitors come, they'll feel out of place if they don't have a Bible. So don't bring your Bible in. We'll, we'll deal with that in a, in, a, in a Sunday school hour. Not wishing to hurt the feelings of those who come into their church. Not letting people who come into their church who need to know that they are sinners. Need to repent need to be saved 
and need to be saved by the grace and the mercy of, of an almighty God who has given you the payment for your sin through His Son, Jesus Christ, and accept Him. There is no other way. Why our church is afraid to say these things. Could it be that Satan has moved them a little bit away from the truth? And they end up modernizing God's truth into an easier, more shorter interpretation as to simplify God's Word. I say to those churches that I say with the authority that Billy Kahn said on Friday night, Satan has taken a hold of your church. Be careful, Pastor. Be careful. Jesus Christ is called the Word of God. He says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in truth. Thy Word. Your Word, God, is truth. Jesus also says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my Word word or my commandments look it's not hidden this is the most important important thing you have in your life this is more important than your health oh there you are billy i embarrass you no i can't i want everybody to hear you one day this is more important than your health it's more important than your wealth it's more important than anything because this is what gives us eternal life understanding what's in these pages Well, Genesis chapter 3 here is the beginning of so many belittling and doubting the importance of the Word of God. You see, when Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to Eve, his first words to her is, Indeed, has God said? Look, when you read those words, it ought to make your insides shudder. It ought to make you just just even curl up. Those are terrible words. Let's take note and see what... What is very important in, in, in Eve's reply to that, she says in verse 2 and 3, look, she said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we can eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, she says, God has says, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die, lest, lest, lest you die. You know what lest means? Maybe you will Hey, maybe you won't. What did God really say? Let's let's check back. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verses 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man, said to him, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Look, God didn't say they couldn't touch that tree. But he did say, they shall surely die, which brings us to a problem in many people's lives. And that is the difference between, in churches, legalism and liberalism. Legalism makes God's statements stronger than they really are. She said, we can't touch the tree. God didn't say they couldn't touch the tree. She added that. Now, let's cut her some slack. Because Adam probably said to her, at least I'm thinking, look, look, we can eat from all of these trees and enjoy, but honey, don't, don't go and eat out of that tree. And don't, in fact, don't even touch it. I'm thinking that's maybe what he said. So I'm going to cut her some slack. 
But adding to the Word of God is legalism. It always has been. It always will be. God didn't say they could not touch that tree. But liberalism, on the other hand, makes the penalty of God weaker than they really are. She said, lest we die. That's maybe we will, maybe we won't. God did not say that. God said, you shall surely die. Legalism burdens Christians with all kinds of rules and regulations that God never intended us to carry. Liberalism, on the other hand, makes God's penalties weaker than He intended. So what we need to do is find out what is He telling us to do so we can enjoy everything we ought to enjoy and understand that He's very serious about this thing called faith. I... uh, Boy, I had a great week this week, and it fits in. It's the, I'm, I'm always amazed how the Lord seems to fit things in. Like, Billy, when you were speaking on Friday night, it was like uh, you read my notes, you know, and some of it. I, I'm not copying off you, honestly. I had this done before I went there Friday. But it felt like I, I, I was listening to what, you, what the Lord had taught me uh, uh, this week. But earlier th- this week, uh, when I had this com- completed, I went to have lunch with... One of the dearest friends I could ever possibly have on the face of this earth. He doesn't go to our church, but he has a big part in this church. Helped us get it started, for that matter. And uh, he was having trouble with his oldest son, who has stopped going to church. And uh, because he doesn't feel like there's a hell. Certainly, if there's a hell, not forever, right? Forever? Eternal hell? Eternal Think about it. Doesn't that make you kind of... It just gets me. I would love to God to say, you know, for after a thousand years, we'll re, uh, we can re-up. You know, if you're still angry, go back in for another thousand. But he doesn't do that. He says, uh, you either accept me or you're eternally damned. And my dear friend had trouble believing that, grasping it. Let's not say believing. Let's say grasping. And he asked me... Am I wrong? And it is, it, 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 it's not eternal, is it? And I said, of course it is. Of course it's eternal. He said, well, how do you know? I said, because God said it was, not me. And you have to know this guy. Not too many people like to tell him no. And I do. I think that's why he likes me, to be honest with you. Or my look. No. Not. Why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Anyways, he, he is wrestling over it. So I, I took the whole day, the following day, my wife and I, and we... We looked at the whole idea of eternal damnation and we sent him all the material because we love him to death and we love his family to death. But liberalism tries to make God's penalties weaker than they are. and they, Folks, you've got to look at what there is and what there is not in the Word of God. As Satan deceived Adam and Eve, he can also deceive us today. We must I have it written down in my notes. If you could see it, it must is caps in red. You must, must, must stay true to his word. You see, after Satan, through the serpent, questions the integrity of God's word, he then attacks it head on. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 ought to make you shudder. Verse 4 is simply this. He says to the woman... You surely shall not die. 
By whose authority is he saying that? You see, the question always is, and the question always shall be in your heart and in my heart, who do you wish to believe? Theologians? Denominations? Cults? Or what Jesus Christ has said and the Father has told us out of the Word of God? The Bible is our only guide. Not a denomination, not so-called theologians, certainly not cults. We must always, always question when someone teaches and says, Thus saith the Lord, and I mean, me too. Me too. You have every reason to question what I say. You ought to have your Bibles in front of you, and you ought to see, am I following what the Word of God says? The best of my ability. And I write everything in pencil, because I too make mistakes, just like any of us. But when someone says, thus saith the Lord, and you hear them on radio, or you see it on television, or, or, or whatever, you need to question it. You can't just take it in. You need to make sure that they're speaking for God and God alone. And so by what authority does he say, you surely shall not die? Then, here's what he says in verse 5, to follow up, you surely shall not die. He says, because God knows, verse 5, in the day that you eat from this tree, your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to be like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. What do cults tell us? Tell any of us silly enough to to listen to them. They say, if you work at it, you live pure enough life, you too shall one day be a God in your little universe. There's a theological term for that you learn in seminary. It's baloney. (laughs) That's as much Greek as I know. Let me give you just a, just a, I got, I'm okay on time. Let me just give you a little bit of an insight. When, 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 they, when those two guys come to your door in white shirts and a tie, or someone comes to your door carrying something to give to you about spiritual things, number one, if you're not ready to debate with them, then don't open the door. You have no, there's no reason, you have no, you, there's not a, a law that you have to open your door. But if you are, are able to talk with them, then, then, then open the door. When, I, I think my my house right now it's it's been like it's a it's it's like a, a it's it's no, I, nobody's coming forever. I, it's like they checked me off. And I, I when they do come, I, I say, oh great. And I say, excuse me for a moment. I go back and get my Bible. I never invite them into my house. Don't do that. At least I don't. And I sit them down on my porch. And when there's two of them, normally, one of them is. Uh, the, the one that's more mature is kind of mentoring the other. Leave the mature one alone. Go after the one that's just trying to learn. And do this. Sit them down and start to share with them the, the truth of Jesus Christ. And when they try to interrupt you, don't let them. Say, wait, wait, wait. I, I'll, I'll, there's a time and a place for me to hear. But I want you to listen. You've come to my house, have you not? Yes. You, then you're going to listen to what I have to say. I said, here, I usually take out a paper and pencil. Write down your name, your phone number, and your home address, and when I want to hear about your faith, I'll come visit you just like you did me. I've never yet had anyone write down their home address. 
But I've never yet let them talk. I don't let them tell me about their faith. The only time I let them talk is when I ask them a question to see if they understand what they uh, claim to believe. You see, because they've come with an agenda. They come with a, they've already, they've got like uh, these politicians that have talking points. That's what they've got. Don't let them. You are the one that has the talking points. Tell them about your Lord. Don't let them speak to you. That's where, that's where Eve made her first mistake, you know. By even, even addressing uh, that serpent. So cults tell you, you, you live a pure enough life, you work at it, you too will be a god. You see, Satan tempted her right where it was most critical for all of us. Her place of pride. He is saying basically, and you've heard this before, if you've shared Christ with anybody, or you listen to people out there in the world, you've heard it. They say, you know... God is keeping you from your own ability to reason. Who is God to tell you what is good? Who is God to tell you what is evil? Who is He to tell you what you can do in the privacy of your own home? Have you never heard that before? Of course you have. It's a mantra for those that don't want to believe in God or, or at least think He's someone whom He's not. They also would say, don't you think you're man or woman enough to make a decision on your own? Who is God to tell you what's good or evil? Be your own person. In other words, become your own God. Grab hold of your own destiny. Anyways, you claim God's a loving God. If He's a loving God, He'll understand. Really? That's liberalism. That's making his, that's making his, uh, making things that he has said will happen to you weaker than they really are. And she took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. Verse six. She ate, and with that we too have a problem. The curse that fell upon Adam and Eve fell upon us as well. I know it doesn't seem fair, but we're in on that. So you and I must reverse this curse. And the good news is, God has given you and me every, every way out. But let's first see what the problem is. It's as, it's as plain as the nose on my face. Soon after they ate, or in other words, became disobedient to, to God's word, verse 7 says, look, their eyes became opened. All of a sudden... They knew that they were naked. Hey, they had been walking around that garden area without any clothes on for quite some time. But all of a sudden, they see that they're naked. And what do they do? They cover themselves. I said it over and over again. I'm going to say it again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Very essence of marriage and life on this earth as a believer. Do nothing. I'm quoting now. Do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as what? More important than you do your own self. Next verse. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of one another. I've quoted that to every married couple I've ever done because marriage is in its rarest 
purest form is, is my looking care and taking care of my wife, not caring for me. Her job is not to care for herself, but to care for me. What's, what does sin do? The moment sin hits, what did they do? They saw, holy cow, I'm naked here. Why didn't he notice that before? Because he was doing what God had commanded him to do. He was caring for his wife. He wasn't looking for himself, and she was caring for him. He didn't have any needs. She cared for all of his needs. She didn't have any needs. He cared for all of his needs. But all of a sudden, sin came upon the scene, and by golly, she's not giving me everything I need. I'm as naked as a jaybird. That's what sin does. Sin makes us look at ourselves and see what we are not receiving, what we haven't gotten. It's basically this. I want what I want when I want it. That's sin. In marriage, God says, you're to look for your mate and care for her and him. Sin says, no, you better take care of yourself. You're naked as a jaybird out there. You're not getting your fair share of the deal. And so what's the immediate response of Adam and Eve when they saw that they were naked? They covered themselves. And look at verse 8. most bizarre verse in all of Scripture to me. It said, They heard the sound of the Lord of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's, that part of this verse is the, my wife's favorite. She loves the cool of the day. She loves that, that statement. She loves that time of, of the evening. God walked towards the garden and towards them in the cool of the day. But the man and his wife, the rest of verse 8, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Hiding from God. Listen, listen to this. Listen clearly, please. When you feel that the Super Bowl or the World Series or some important uh, ball game or event is more important than church, look out. When you feel that uh, Tommy or Mary's Gold Cup soccer game is more important than coming to church, be careful. When you feel that uh, your beach place or uh, some place that you have is more important than going to church, look out. When you don't wish to go to a Bible study because some of the people there are hypocrites or judgmental or to this or to that be careful be careful when I first took over a church at Yorba Linda Friends one of the older gentlemen of that church who was a saint one of the pillars of that church reminded me that I need to preach hard to the family of God because he told me of a family that got extremely fortunate of that church a good part of that church. And they made more money than they ever thought they or ever dreamed that they would make. And they finally were able to buy that vacation spot they always dreamed of. They wanted a home up in Arrowhead. And they got it. And they had enough money that they could go up and enjoy it anytime they wanted to. And they took the kids up there most weekends. And they started missing church on a regular basis. You know, it's logical. They had family time. This gentleman that was telling me the story about this people whom I know said uh, their kids, as they got in old enough, stopped going to church on their own. 
then their kids, when they got old enough to get married, had their own children, and, and now neither them nor their children are going to church with any regularity. I love what I see around here. In particular, I think of uh, the Thompsons. Uh, Brian, who leads music, and Amy, who plays a... Is that called a synth? I never can figure it out. What's it called? A synthesizer? Yeah. They're two boys come with them to church every week. And their two boys, every week when I come in early, are in the cafe area setting up the tables. Dorothy, who's in charge of it all, is helping them and putting things on the table so that we would have someplace nice to sit and enjoy. Well, they're not doing it just for nothing. They're getting paid. Dorothy gives them each a half a donut point is that those two little boys are in church actively involved. Their mother and their father are in church actively involved. You come to church. You get on your calendar and you make church the most important event of your week. As if you were being visited by the president, I want to say. Although that that would run me out of my house to church even if it was Wednesday. No, I, I, that was mean. I, I don't... That, that was mean. That was, that was mean. I don't mean... I, I take that... Father, forgive me. That was mean. But you come to church. You go to a small group, Bible study each and every week. Let your kids see you involved. Get them involved with you. It'll save not only your soul, but it'll make a mark upon your children and will last until their adult lives and into their children's lives. I can tell you this for a fact. My wife and I dragged our kids to church. When my son said, I've got a cold, I said, good. Give everybody in church a cold. You're going to church. <laughs> Never let them miss. And today my son and my daughter both know and love the Lord. They're married to two people that both know and love the Lord and their, our four grandkids all know and love the Lord. And you can't pay me enough for that. That's everything. Well, true to God's character, even though they hid from Him, He comes to search them just as He will us out. And He asks in verse 9, just a great statement, He says, where are you? Do you really think he didn't know where they were he knew exactly where they were he just said that so that they could respond and and they said in verse 10 i heard the sound of you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked so i hid myself and i absolutely adore verse 11 god simply says who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree which i commanded you not to eat who told you you were naked? See, all this time they were naked. They didn't notice because they didn't take care of themselves. Sin. I want what I want when I want it. You know, they were like little kids with red, red crayons, you know, and you have this beautiful white wall with red markings all over it and red on their faces, and you see them and you say, Who did that? And they say, I don't know. They got caught red handed. 
I want you to note here and, and mark it well. Mark it well. Who Adam and Eve blame. In verse 12, when God said in verse 11, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree which I told you not to eat from? Adam said in verse 12, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. You know what he did there? He blamed God and the woman, not himself. She made me do it told you I didn't want to get married. <laughs> it was your idea I get married, God. No. It's just like mankind to blame anyone and everyone else except ourselves instead of looking at really what the problem is, ourselves. And so the woman, same thing. She said, the serpent. In other words, the devil made me do it. The serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate. See, sin does one thing that is common if you're not careful to every one of us. It makes you not confess your sin or to place blame where it belongs, not on someone else, but on yourself. If you find that you yourself right now are in sin, stop. By the grace of God, stop. Stop hiding from God. He knows what you've done. He knows it perfectly. Come to church. Stop denying your sin. Stop blaming others. Confess your sins. And call sin for what it is because God surely knows. Take it to Him so He can forgive you of your sin. For only He can forgive you. And stop hiding from Him, folks. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I'll go. That's a call upon your life. No one else can do it for you. No one. You can't make me confess my sin. You can't make me straighten out my life. I've got to want to do it for myself and for my walk with Christ. You willing? I'm telling you, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 is one of the greatest places in Scripture you and I will ever look at. Mark it. If you want me to, I'll do it again some other day. It's a great place in Scripture. Next week, we're going to take a look at the aftermath of sin and how it affects families. From chapter 3, verse, about verse uh, where do we stop? 13. Verse 14 to chapter 4, about verse 7. You'll see. It's a great place in Scripture. You won't want to miss. Father, thank you for this morning. Father, there's a, prayer, a group of people that want to pray for us. They'll be up here and on the left-hand side, or on the right-hand side of the church. And, and Father, whether it's whether for a, a need for a family member or something of health or, or, or whatever it is, job, whatever, we'd be willing to pray for you. And I've understood, Father, that many good things are, are starting to happen over these prayers. Let us not be afraid to do that, but let us be a church that prays for one another. And now, Father, if any of us are hiding from you, for whatever reason, let us be not foolish. Let us get out from that. Let us come to you. Let us adore you. Let us be in church and make it a priority in our lives and make everything that we do with you a priority, Father. It's, it's only a matter of time. Just I don't know how soon for some. It's just a matter of time where we'll be standing 
right in your presence. And all of this that we lived for, Father, may, may we hear, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rests. I pray, Father, your blessings on us all. In Jesus' precious name, amen.